welcome to the Low Sodium Show. I'm your host, Mark Lading Crew Wheeler, and uh, whew, what a day, what a day, what a day, what a week, by that matter. Um, we have a great show tonight. We'll talk about the <laughs> the, the wily crayfish, and 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 most people they know that bass eat crayfish. They know that. A lot of species eat crayfish, um, but they don't understand the nuances of crayfish, if that makes any sense. Their defense, their their colors. Crayfish range in colors. Um, why do they range in colors? How can I decide what colors to use? Um, you, you know, all these little things that... <clears throat> can really um you know help out in in breaking down a body of water um so we're going to talk all about that we're going to talk about some some te- techniques that I use that I've picked up throughout the years um and uh and some other things as well um, you know, some people ask, you know, you know, we'll talk about baits, you know, why does a crayfish colored bait or, or style crankbait work? Um, you know, and we'll break all that down, you know, how to improve your, your, your catching, uh, with crayfish baits, because whether it's, a, a large mouth, small mouth, spot, Guadalupe, um, Roanoke, all any of any of the bass species, uh, any of the the black bass family, that includes panfish, brims, uh, su- uh, uh, sunnies, bluegill. Catfish love crayfish as well. So we're going to break down, you know, colors, variations, how to use them, even how to catch them as well. Uh, and and I catch them all the time. I love a little crayfish boil at the house. Uh, Matt, you logged me off, buddy. Um, let's see if I can get back on the, the chat room there. Um, so we're going to break that all down, um, and, and, and a lot more. And, and speaking of Matt, uh, Matty boy, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce yeah. you to my co-host, Matt Yak Chum Trucks. What's going on, man? Hey, good evening, Mark. Sorry for kicking you out of the, uh, the host section of the chat room there. That was my bad. I didn't click that little checky checky box. But yeah, um, that was all bad. I know is I'm crazy for crayfish. <laughs> crazy for crayfish. Hey, um, I like my craw daddy's bright red. That's my favorite color. And steaming with some corn in there. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah. And, and you uh, know what? What's funny is that, you know, one of the hottest baits for early season, dark, muddy water, usually it's during the rainy season, um, is is a, is what they call, you know, uh, uh, crayfish. And, and it's usually this bright, you know, almost maroonish or light maroon, you know, blood red color. And, and you know, I always go, don't call it crayfish, call it, uh, you know, uh, boiled cray, crayfish. Um, and, and, and guys always laugh at me, and I'm like, well, that's kind of the truth. And, and what's funny is, is I asked a gentleman, very old man, uh, he's not with us anymore, you know, rest his soul. Um, 
and this is maybe five years ago. I was like, why is red – I don't see red in anything. And the way he explained it to me is that when the crayfish comes out of the ground or out of its burrow or wherever it's been all winter long, due to the uh, oxygen depletion – and this is how he, he thought of it. It's due to oxygen depletion okay, and stress, similar to what happens when they're boiled – um, changes them to a darker red, and we exemplify and we we expand on that by using a, uh, a much redder bait than really needs to be. And when they come out, they are searching for food and mates and everything else. So that's why a, a deep crankbait running along the bottom works so well. Just slow rolled it, and I went, oh, that makes so much sense. So <clears throat> right there's uh, you know the first little piece of the puzzle for everybody. Um, Hey, that so, sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah, you know what? I, and, and the reason we're we're gonna do shows like this um, here in the next few months and, and and throughout the the rest of the low sodium live setup um, is that I improve my fishing. Uh, Matt, lower your your volume, buddy. <laughs> um, I improved my angling my decision-making tenfold when I started not just... I, I learned about the bass. That's the first thing I did. Um, is is I, uh, I, I, I literally spent weeks online, library, books, um, you, you know, so much... Uh, info, learning about bass, and, and and not just taking books that were written by guys in the South. Um, and I'm saying from Louisiana east to the to South Carolina, North Carolina west, you know Tennessee and Kentucky and all these bassy areas, and not just reading about them. Those areas, I read about you know northern bass, small you know uh, and smallmouth bass up in the north. I read about how they transplanted largemouths to the some several lakes in Oregon, and how well that did, <clears throat> and, and and how they first transplanted northern strain largemouths into California in the SoCal lakes, but found that the growth potential and the forage could was over demanding the northern strain and had to be mixed had had Florida strain mixed in because of their higher metabolisms to feed and to take out more of the 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 forage species and it was just amazing how I, I you know how I broke it down how the every lateral line of every bass is different um you know it's their thumb fingerprint you know they all might look the same but um it, it's so minute down to the 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 cut the the absolute um, you know, density of the dark, the dark splotches. You know how you can tell that through there, and, and and you know why some bass are super light and some are super dark. And if you catch the same bass at different times of the year, how their coloration on their backs all change. I mean, literally, I, I knew all that, and I went and I went with that for about two years, and I started realizing that I wasn't getting the results I wanted, and had to change and turn for me to realize that 
one thing that is the common denominator for all of us that are listening or spend time on the water is we are trying to match the hatch. We're trying to get them to do something, feed, or or, def- or defend, uh, talking uh, uh, about spawning, um, to a reaction which is in the DNA of all predatory species to kill or destroy the weak link in the biosystem, in the, in the ecological system. You know, and, and those are all things, that's how the banjo minnow is so effective. That's why a drop shot is so effective. It, it's, it's mimicking that, that, that hurt, a, a wacky rig senko. Um, it's, it's, it's imparting that, that hurt, dead, disease, dying, um, you know, whatever it might be, uh, for it to eat it. And not necessarily eat it, just to kill it. If it's dead, it can't hurt anything else. So, it's, it's all these little little things that, you know, you, you, I need to start realizing. And by going in and actually researching the, the, the forage species... And I started off simple. I started off with, with bluegill, and because I know bluegill are prevalent in nearly every lake or, or, or brim, um, and I wanted to understand more about their, them, and, and I, that's how I went with it. And the one that I almost completely forgot about was crayfish. Um, and it really affected me until I learned about crayfish. And once I did... It was amazing. Absolutely awesome. So, or crawdads, or crayfish, or crawfish, mud bugs, any of those uh, denominators, or what I like to call them, tasty, um, we're all pieces of the puzzle here on, the lo- on tonight's show, and we will get more in-depth after a quick break. So we'll be right back. With more of the Low Sodium Show, only on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. Looking for a new cooler with a lifetime warranty and made 100% in the United States? Look no further than Orca Coolers. These roto-molded, rugged coolers feature premium quality, seamless construction, meaning they're built to take whatever you and Mother Nature throws at them. Orca Coolers allow ice to keep for days, and they have non-slip feet so your cooler stays where you want it. With secure external latch system, the lid always stays closed. Orca Coolers. Made 100% in the USA, always has been, always will be. Check them out at orcacoolers.com. Bull Bay Custom Rods are handcrafted, designed, built by fishermen for fishermen. Each plank goes through a rigorous stress test to ensure the highest quality, period. You can actually feel the action of the bite as well as lure vibration through the foregrip. Made with the highest quality components and made to your specifications. Bull Bay Custom Rods bring innovation to your hands. Go to bbrods.com to check out some amazing custom rods. Bull Bay Custom Rods, built by fishermen for fishermen. All right, folks, have you seen it? Have you seen Low Sodium TV? That's what I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, I posted the first video of the Low Sodium TV on the Kayak Fishing Radio page on Facebook. So go in there, watch it. Excuse it, I don't have any uh, uh, special abilities yet, um, but it will get better, I promise you that. First, episode one, I promised I'd do it, is showing the donkey rig as well as the San Diego Jam Knot. How to fish it, and so much more. So check it out, go to 
facebook.com forward slash kayak fishing radio watch the video let me know what you think comment like it share it and learn so much much more check them out go to kayak fishing radio facebook page and give us a like please You are listening to The Low Sodium Show on Kayak Fishing Radio with your host, Mark, the Landing Crew Wheeler. All right, we are back. We're talking crayfish tonight, folks. And remember, this segment is brought to you by HuntFishPaddle.com. Check them out. Uh, remember, Spinnerbait 10 is for y'all to go and pick up any of their spinnerbaits um, that they have at a 10% discount, uh, only with Spinnerbait 10. Um, you know, got to love Huntfish Paddle, Adam, and the group there. Check them out at their store on Lake Wiley, South Carolina, or you can order online. And if you're online and you don't see it, bottom right-hand corner of the page has their number. Give them a call. I pretty much can guarantee you Adam will find it. So check him out at HuntFishPal.com. All right, we're back. Um, you know, we're let's break down what crayfish is. And what a crayfish is, 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 is a, it's a crustacean. Um, and, they, they they eat a bunch of different things. Um, it's it, it's a species that um, that you know it's it's a forager for one thing. Um, and, and let's explain why, why I'm hitting this on the very first portion is because you're going to see this trend come out throughout the show. Crayfish are a foraging species, but one thing that they love eating more than anything else or is that little uh algae i guess it is on the stalks of lily pads um you can it's that that slime on you know cypress knees and on the rocks um it's that 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 funk okay and so now that we we've talked about that, you know, and granted they'll they'll forage on, um, you know, uh, 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 higher protein sources, i.e., you know, fish and, and and stuff like that. But they prefer eating that that algae. They're algae eaters, um, and, and you know, and it kind of makes sense. They're in the same family, or that family tree, that little branch. You know, one of their cousins are cockroaches. Okay, uh, mini lobsters, same same similar family. Um, you know, those um, those spiny lobsters or the crayfish you get, <clears throat> the, the, where you get the tails or the hole. Um, you know, those are from Australia. Australia has some crazy looking crayfish. Um, you know, I mean, all around the world you can find crayfish. They're 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 a cleaning species. Um, so, you know, let's break down why that is so important to understand their food source or what they feed on. Um, 
we would start looking at into the food source like we're, we're talking about now, we, we tend to find that, especially with forage species, crayfish, shad, um, and this is the forage for the bass or, or catfish or whatever it might be, um, and when you start talking about cray, uh, crayfish, shad, bluegill, um, worms, insects, stuff like that, you can really narrow down uh, a body of water, and we're talking about lakes for right now. Uh, we can really break it down that you know we can re- eliminate certain areas of the lakes once we find what the bass are eating. And here's the most important part portion of that is catching the first or, or several bass um, with several different techniques. Or if you find one right off the bat and it's boom, 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 makes it pretty easy. But when it gets really hard and you know, you're you're going three, four days where you're not catching or you're not catching a lot, or you're pre fishing for a tournament. It helps to catch a few bass. And what I do is I look well, – well, as soon as I catch a bass, the first thing I do is I look in his mouth. And it's usually while I'm taking out the bait that I just hooked him on. And I'm looking inside there. I'm looking for do I see antenna? Do I see claws? Do I see a tail? What do I see? Do I see a lot of mud around there? Okay. Do I see a lot of parasites, which will be in there sometimes depending on the, on what they're eating? Okay. Or do I see small crayfish all around him? Do I see, you know, as he comes up, is he spitting crayfish? And if I don't see anything or I don't have a definitive answer of what he's got, I'll, I'll feel the belly. Wet, wet your hand and, and grab the belly and feel it, okay? Nine times out of ten, you'll feel something in there. You know, is it crunchy? If it's crunchy, you know they're eating crayfish. Or you'll feel the, 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 the outline of a crayfish in there. You know, is it, is it soft, but you can still feel bones? Then it's shad and bluegill. Nine times out of ten, you actually feel the shape of a bluegill. You know, that bluegill has that, that spade look to them. Okay, and shad are more oblong or, or oval. You'll feel that in there. Um, you know, or is it just a brick? If it feels like a brick, he ate a, a, a turtle. <laughs> okay, um... Funny story, and I don't get, I'm getting off topic, but I had a, a, a bass I caught, and it was about a four-pounder. And I was doing my checks, and I looked in the mouth. I didn't see anything. And I reached down and grabbed the belly. And I started moving it around, and it was a full belly. And I'm, I'm feeling it, and I'm like, I've never felt anything like that. You know, <clears throat> it just felt bony and, and weird. And... I just didn't know what it was. This is when I was first starting to, to bass fish. And, and so I, I took my hands and I started, you can actually milk them, you know, make them regurgitate. And I did it, you know, once or twice, you know, a little squeeze kind of to push it out. And I looked down in there um, and I see a feather. I'm like, there's no way. Reached down with my pliers and grabbed the feather and pull, started to pull out. He had a, um, uh, a red-winged blackbird in, in his belly. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, so, you know, all those little things to know. You know, granted, are you going to catch a lot of bass, you know, using a, a bird bait? No. But it's just good to know. So these, that's how I start breaking it down. 
Um, so once you realize, after you catch, say you catch three bass, right? Using a shaky head, and you feel it, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of crayfish in there. Okay. That's going to tune me into, they're, they're feeding on crayfish. Because if I catch three in three different spots, and they've all got crayfish in their bellies, okay, it's not random. There's a reason. Always remember there's a reason. It's not talked about enough. Um, you know, we, we, we need to, to figure out, you know, there, there's always something for some reason in some, some way. And, and that's how we, I break it down. Because, okay, I have three bass that all have had crayfish in their bellies. Either I saw pincers or, or the antenna or I saw the tail or I felt it in their, in their gut. So I go, okay, they're eating crayfish. Bing, I know what to do now. And that's where we're going to break it down. Okay, uh, you know, they're, now we already hit one portion. Crayfish love eating the algae on, you know, cypress knees, on, you know, uh, 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 you know, milfoil and lily pads and rocks, stuff like that. So now I go, okay, they're eating crayfish. I know what they want to eat. I know what the crayfish are eating. Where on this lake is the maiden... Major forage for those crayfish. Okay. Great example. We'll use something everyone kind of knows. Lake Gunnersville. Follow the food chain. Exactly, Chris. Um, and let me take a quick second to say you know, hello to everyone in the chat room. Chris Johnson, the two guests. Mike Ambrose, what's going on, man? And, uh, of course, the greatest personal sponsor in the world, Tommy Hedjigs. Uh, what's going on, y'all? Um, exactly. Follow the food chain. So... Great example, we, we'll take Lake Gunnersville, And everyone knows Lake Gunnersville for its hydrilla, for its, its, its vegetation. Probably one of the best one to pick. Because <laughs> this time of the year, Gunnersville is literally, you can walk across it um, due to all the uh, um, uh, uh, the, the absolute massive amounts of, of, of matted vegetation. Um let me think here. Uh, another lake everyone would kind of know. <clears throat> um, ooh, great one. We'll, we'll talk about High Rock. Um, High Rock Lake is, is special because it's got pockets of vegetation. It's got woody areas to it. It has rocks. It has all these. It's literally the the gambit of of lakes, you know, with different varying cover when you, you you look at it like this okay crayfish love to be around rocks we know that because that's it's a way of you know we're going to break down high rock and, and crayfish here it's going to answer a lot of your questions um crayfish love rocks to begin with okay everyone's everyone who's grown up flipping rocks in a little stream finding crayfish okay they love that um You're a goofball, Matt. Um, broke my train of thought. Crayfish love need several things. They need high oxygen content. Okay, I'm going to say most species need high. Most of their the, the crayfish need high oxygen content. That's first. They need food, and they need cover, just like everything else, right? So that's why streams are so good. Is that they are filled with cover, usually rocks, right? 
which you find them underneath. They have the food, because it's usually on the backside of all those rocks. Usually there's vegetation somewhere in that, in that little stream. That's where they're feeding on. Um, and, you know, they have the high oxygen content. Now let's break down... Um, just trying to, I'm reading the, the chat room while I'm trying to do this. Uh, you know, I see C-130s, I'm like, ooh, let me read it. Um, uh, <laughs> stop it. Um, I'm actually going to click off of the, the chat room so I don't have to read it. I'll read it during the next break. Um, so, High Rock. It has rock, so there's the cover. Okay, you can get the cover as well from uh, from vegetation. You know, hydrilla, milfoil. Um, I see. A, you know what? It's funny. I see a lot of crayfish a lot of times around cabbage. That underwater cabbage, you'll see crayfish because that those big leafy greens will will cover up the the crayfish, so they they're not seen from above. And that and their cabbage is always filled with that algae that they love eating. Um, and it's it's amazing how you know just something simple like that just popped in my head and went oh yeah and understanding that you know the vegetation the rocks the wood cypress knees cypress trees are absolutely magnets to crayfish now one thing I will say is you will not will not find this is my opinion and this, this is what I've experienced I will never find a crayfish all right, around a pine tree that's in the water, nor will I find one where it's a high tannin content. Locust trees, um, oh, what's the other one? Um, walnut trees. Well, if, if I see a walnut, may, uh, walnut, locust, or pine tree, I know that there will not be any crayfish in the surrounding region around that, that, that tree. And I've looked. Okay, this is how, how crazy... Uh, I am about this. I actually went in and, and, and were flipping over rocks and logs and stuff like that and writing in my log book. I, I have a very extensive logging system um, and realized that crayfish will, won't be around them. And I wanted to know why and I started looking into it. It's the tannins. It's the acid that is in the wood when it, when it uh, leaches out of the wood being in the water actually makes the, the pH levels unpalatable to crayfish. They just don't like it. Just they, Okay. Once I learned that, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So now I know. If, I have, if they are on a crayfish bite, and I've got a, a row of pine trees stuck in the water, most likely the crayfish won't be there. So the bass won't key in on them there. Now, does that mean that you won't catch one on a jig or crayfish style bait? No. Of course you will. <clears throat> but knowing that if bass are looking for crayfish, that's all they're eating. And this is very important for smallmouth lakes. When smallmouth go on a crayfish binge, like they will, it is very hard to break them from that. I mean, spinnerbaits and everything else, you will not find them, them eating it. Granted, you'll catch one or two, but not the numbers you're looking for. So, not understanding that, you're going, okay, now I'm, now, I'm, now I'm breaking those puzzle pieces. I'm putting them together, okay, to figure out what's going on. 
um, we, we've got that, that working for us. Um, so breaking down a lake like that, once I find the cover that the crayfish are on, a lot of times out of 10, on a clear lake, uh, we'll, we'll take uh, uh, Lake Anna here in Virginia. Lake Anna is crystal clear, or, or can be. Um, I should switch over to the, to the chat room. I can't do it. I hate you, Matt. Um, <laughs> uh, but Lake Anna is pretty clear. And there are areas that, you know, you can see the bottom where you'll see crayfish. And, and making mental notes of why is that crayfish there? You know, everything's there for a reason. Everything, you know, my, my great-grandfather always say, there's, everything's for a reason. There's a reason for everything. And I'll take notes. Okay, that crayfish is there because of... And I'll start looking around. And, I just, and I'll start looking and be like, okay, wow. I have five cypress stumps with their knees coming off down this bank. The bottom is a sand uh, gravel bottom. And I start really looking. And I, then I'll start picking out more crayfish. I'm like, okay, that's why. And once I get all that done, I'm like, okay. That, that makes sense now, okay, why that crayfish is there. And now I can take that and go, okay, did I catch fish off that, that bank? Yes. Caught good fish? Yes. Okay, or no, and I can, I can remove that from the, the, the equation. Then I go, okay, where on this lake does that match? Okay, where does, is, is, that, is that similar situation somewhere else on that lake. In, in, the, in a tournament situation, that is a, a humongous, you know, bingo. Okay? That means I can go, okay, I, I know that, you know, around this next point, I have four cypress, and this is where having a good logbook and maps is so important. That I can bust up those maps and go, okay, I know on this next stretch, I have, you know, you know a bunch of cypress knees. I have a sandy... Gravelly bottom, same as the one I was just on, and I know that that runs for 400 yards. Or, or I'll, you know, usually I'll, I'll mark on there the length. Okay, <clears throat> this is this is crucial information. This means that I can go in there now and and, and work that bank with crayfish colors and crayfish you know uh, techniques and, and catch my limit and improve on my limits and do all those things that are so important to putting a check in my hand. So that's how important it is for me, y'all, is to um, – and I just switched to the chat room, and I had to stop because I saw my name. Um, um you know, this it's important, and thanks, Matt, for making me lose my train of thought again. Um, so let's break down why crayfish are so many different colors real fast. There was a great video on Wired to Fish that really simplified it, and I'm going to do it even, break down even more, uh, what we call Barney style, um, and that the... Crayfish's color is determined by two factors. The first one is water clear, is water health. Okay, how healthy is that water? 
um, you know, if it's really, really, really dark, uh, muddy, it's always stained, the crayfish are going to be dark. Okay? They're going to match the, the bottom. They're going to match the watercolor. They'll be lighter in color because they're getting more sun. Um, usually clear water has a sandier bottom. Okay? So they match the bottom as well. You know, mixed lakes are, you know, you find a mix of them. The next big, fa- the second and the biggest factor is what they eat, okay? If you find crayfish that are eating the algae off of rocks, the algae off of cypress knees, they will always have a blue tint, okay? It won't be, some in dark water won't be as defined, but many times you'll find that they have a bluer tint in their legs, on the side of their, their, their body, and on their claws. In a clear situation, you'll find if they're eating um, in, in clear waters, where that's what they're eating as well, the cypress knees and the, and the rocks, they'll have a more greenish hue to them. All right, won't be as blue. They, they'll have really blue tips a lot of times. The legs will be blue, but they'll have a greenish hue to them. All right, very important to know. Now, let's take that same thing and look at um, if there are rocks or cypress knees, and it's just vegetation, all right? This is where you start to find them with blues and reds. And a lot of times you'll see more red than the blue. Or it'll be a a heavier red color with a really dark blue kind of situation going on. Uh, yeah, Chris. Um, yeah, it all depends on what they're eating and everything else. So, how do you determine what colors you need to use? For me, I always, when I first get to the boat ramp, if if I'm pre-fishing for a tournament, what I do is when I get to the boat ramp, I look around the boat ramp. I look for anything I can turn over, for what I can look at. If I can turn over a rock and find a crayfish, I snag them up and I look at them. Okay? The next thing I do, if I'm pre-fishing, it's three or four days before the tournament, I always carry crayfish traps. <laughs> the cheap ones are like eight bucks. And what I'll do is I'll take a can of dog food or, or, or cat food, wet cat food, see it in the trap and just drop it around the lake. What, I, what I'm doing is, is I'm finding the forage. A lot of times when I pull it up, I've got little bait fish in there, and it's, it's a great technique to use. Or in your local lake, if you just want to find out more about that lake and, and really break it down even farther, dropping down traps like that, you can catch a bunch of different species of, of stuff and learn from it. Um, so if I'm sitting there and I pull up a trap and I look at it, and I've got five crayfish, and all five crayfish have really blue claws and really blue legs or of a mixture of red and blues or they're really light colored um you know i know that i need to to put that in my color equation um and and that's how I, i really break it down to know what i need to throw um to really match the hatch and it's as something we always talk about in here um
and Tommy makes a great point here. Secret number one. That's something I do all the time. And, and you know, some places you can't trap for crayfish. Or you can't use the traps. Uh, please check your local ordinances to make sure you can be legal doing that. Or the um, – do the blue ones taste better? No. Uh, color it really doesn't matter about taste. Uh, it's just what their um, bodies are, are set up for or, or how the, the – the, the nutrients and proteins are broken down. It's the same way why are some flamingos really pink and then some are white. It's all about the shrimp that they're eating that gives them the pigment in their, their feathers. Um, but Tommy puts in here, uh, secret when fishing a tournament, go to the local marinas and tackle shops and find out what plastics are missing. Chances are the color is super hot for that lake. Very true. Um, and And actually... One issue with that I had is I was fishing the Potomac uh, was last year, and I did that. I went into a local tackle shop and I looked at you know what's missing, what you know, you know the basic crankbaits, and I look, you know, and you know shad, and you know which ones are really gone, or if they or if they have, you know, three rows of you know one color. You know that that's a hot color for whatever reason. Um, um, Matt, you gotta stop, dude. <laughs> um, you know, are, are all you know keys to this, but always check to make sure that the people that are working the tackle shop aren't fishing the tournament. And that's what happened to me. I went in and saw uh, that the... Uh, what was it? Oh, it was a, uh, um, it was a crankbait. It was a, 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 like a Series 5, I'm going to say, crankbait, and literally... They had five rows of this funky, like, bluegill color. So I went ahead and bought three of them, not realizing that the guy that ran the shop was also fishing the tournament. And he went in, the, a few, like, a, two or three days before and bought out all the sexy and chartreuse shads and then had one of his guys fill it with the baits they had in the back which was this bluegill color. Apparently he made a big order of bluegill color. Never came through. No one's buying it. No one uses it. So they loaded up <laughs> the, the thing with bluegill colors. Okay. Now granted, after about 45 minutes, I realized it wasn't the color. When the guy who I'm fishing with is bailing him and I was on a sexy chartreuse was the color. So, you know, always be leery of that. And as you can tell, we've kind of gotten off base gives me a great opportunity to uh, hiccup and take a quick break. And you listen to the Low Sodium Show only on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. Bull Bay Custom Rods are handcrafted, designed, built by fishermen for fishermen. Each plank goes through a rigorous stress test to ensure the highest quality 
period. You can actually feel the action of the bite as well as lure vibration through the foregrip, made with the highest quality components and made to your specifications. Full Bay Custom Rods bring innovation to your hands. Go to bbrods.com to check out some amazing custom rods. Full Bay Custom Rods, built by fishermen for fishermen. All right, folks. I've been talking about this company for a long time. And you're going, who are you talking about, Mark? I'm talking about Lick'em Lures. I brought them on earlier this year, and I was absolutely amazed at the tongue slapper. It's a jerk spoon. It's a jerk bait that looks like a spoon. It's absolutely awesome. I have literally improved my catch ratios by having this bait. It will blow your mind how vicious and how absolutely awesome the strikes are when you're using it. So check them out. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So go to lickemlureinc.com. Check them out. Pick up a pack. I'm telling you, right now and coming up in the, in the next few months, depending on where you're at, that smoking silver is going to be hot, hot, hot. Buy the junior. Buy the regular size. Watch the videos. Send me questions. I will answer them. Trust me, you're going to want this in your arsenal. So check them out again. Lickamoreinc.com. Buy a couple packs and absolutely change the way you fish. Alright folks, it's a new month, and you know that Tommy, he's got something up his sleeve, well yes he does, he has, as he's been doing the past few months, the two for one deal, two for one on pink pepper, this is going to be a hot color for any striper fisherman up and down the east coast and inland, I'm telling you, fall is when stripers, they love the pink, so if you're a striper fisherman, pick up Tommy Head Jigs, if you've never tried them, this is now the time to pick up some pink pepper. Two for one, buy two, get one free. Two packs for one pack, okay? And absolutely take your fishing to the next level with the most versatile jig head on the market. And I can say that because it literally changed the way I fish. I only use Tommy Head Jigs for 90% of my jig head techniques. The other 10% is like, you know, flipping heads and football heads and stuff like that. So, go to TommyHeadJigs.com, click on the bait shop, and buy yourself some of the best jig heads on the market. Pink Pepper, two for one, only in September. Again, go to TommyHeadJigs.com, pick them up, and always remember, as Tommy says it, God-given, God-driven, Thanks, y'all. You are listening to The Low Sodium Show on Kayak Fishing Radio with your host, Mark, the Landing Crew Wheeler. All right, we're back. Remember... <clears throat> this segment, again, is brought to you by HuntFishPal.com. Spinnerbait 10 is your way to get 10% off your next spinnerbait purchase at HuntFishPaddle.com. Um, 
You know, yeah, I'm looking to get the uh, two-for-one deal. Going for it. Oh, yeah, especially now, you know, because most people don't understand that, that the inland... Yeah, you know, the inland... Oh, yeah, inland stripers are still saltwater stripers at their DNA. And stripers, uh, when they're migrating, eat everything. Bunker, uh, bluefish, but... What is the biggest hatch? What is all around the bottom right now there, Matt, that the stripers love to eat? Everything. Oh. <laughs> stripers eat sand everything. Eels. Yes, sand eels, uh, American sand. eels, uh, and, but flounder, shrimp, bunker. Yeah. They eat everything. But yes, but sand eels are bass candy. Yes, and that is why pink... Bubblegum works so well this time of the year, or especially coming up the next month. It, it's such a hot color. Definitely want to check that out. Um, it, it's, it's one of my secrets. Everyone looks at me weird when I'm throwing a, a, a bubblegum fluke on a, on a jig head and just slaying the stripers in the fall on the local lakes out here. And, and it's great because there's no limit on the stripers in some of the lakes. So I'll catch the perfect, you know, 14, 16 inches. And the you know the big schools, and I'll load up a cooler full of them, man. It's great. Um, hey, I bet you could take a Tommy head jig and and rig a live crayfish on it too. Definitely could. Um, yeah. Put underneath the popping cork works great. Um, so we have a guest or, or a caller, and I know this guy. He's a good friend of ours in the low sodium show, and personally as well. Uh, let me bring in uh, Chris Carlisle. What's going on, man? Hey. Not a whole heck of a lot. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, buddy. How are you doing? I am doing very well. I'm actually out here practicing a little fly fishing for some smallies. So how much snow do you have on the ground already? Oh, dude, you're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> He's calling us out fishing on his kayak. I mean, that's that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I decided to pick up a fly rod and try this out and actually it's kind of funny this whole show is about crayfish because I found some really nice looking crayfish flies that I've been dying to get my hands on and try out oh awesome yeah they you know that that's especially when you said smallmouth the first thing that popped in my head was craze uh crayfish um and you know I I don't know how many times I've fished you know the James the, the James River the Shenandoah the new uh, the Tennessee River system, uh, the Calf Killer, oh, um, I mean, so many different, you know, the Delaware, you know, the, the upper Delaware, um, the Susquehanna, where crayfish are literally the number one forage of everything. And, uh, and, 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 and going from, and going from, you know, uh, just a basic crayfish color to breaking down you know, exactly what the colors were. You know, I don't know how, how many times I've used a, a, a dip it pen and put, you know, orange or, or red on the side of a, of a uh, like a rage craw um, in, in green pumpkin. You know, just, just, just on the side and on the, the claw itself. I went back to where I was just fishing through and started throwing that in the same spot. And now I'm bailing smallmouth left and right just by adding a little bit of red. You know, just one of those little crazy things that just work so well and understand the colorations so 
Exactly. And I mean, that's a whole lot of uh, a big thing, too. As I know up here, just uh, different seasons will, you know, the, the crayfish will change their color, they'll molt their skin, you know, and that's a, that's a big key, too. Not just having one color in your arsenal. If you're going to use right. crayfish, it is sometimes a good idea to use, you know, multiple colors anyway. Right, and and, and that, that's from understanding the region you're at. You know, like the south, you know, crayfish will molt two, maybe three times a year um, because of how much vegetation's in the water. Other, uh, you know, and then you look at a northern crayfish, uh, Michigan, you know, Dakotas, uh, New York, Vermont, stuff like that. The crayfish will molt only once a year, and so understanding when they molt, you know, is is huge because. You can go from, great example, you can go from, you know, right before they molt, green pumpkin is the hot color, right? Green pumpkin with uh, uh, a red fleck, right? Mimicking that the, that red coloration with that darker body. And then going in, the ne- you know, a week later, using that same color that you were just killing them on but not getting them, it could be that they molted. And a lot of times, you wanna, would want to switch to like a watermelon red flake, or even a watermelon blue flake, um, or even like a, a, a kitchen sink color, uh, where it's you know see-through almost, but it has a like a beige tint to it, and a bunch of different colors. Because when crayfish molt, they, they've got a lot of different things going on. So you'll you'll see that, and, and you know understanding when that time frame is, and that's from you know researching the lakes, researching the the forage again for the, your area. So important. Exactly. Yeah, you, you would think when they're molting, they have a soft shell crayfish when they're most vulnerable, that the uh, the fish would be uh, more active looking for them. And and that is extremely true on the the Great Lakes. You'll you see that a lot on the Great Lakes. Great Lakes, and that's what I was talking about. How smallmouth will just absolutely zone out. Gobies, they'll zone out. Uh, I, I saw this on Lake Erie. They, they literally went from a goby shad minnow bite they were, they had going on golden shiner bite, um, and absolutely just zoned into the crayfish. It was because that the the crayfish were, were molting, and just like a soft shell or or or, or we call a peeler crab here in in the the bay. What happens is right before it molts, the, the body can't fit in the, inside of it, so there's almost a lot of um, juices and, and things popping, and and really sends a lot of scent out in the water. It's really excellent bait, but when you when you see that happening, you just they they, they go nuts for it, and that's when you'll see. Um, I, I saw this with with uh, smallmouth. What they were doing was the crayfish were molting in these patches of, of of eelgrass. It was an eelgrass milfoil mixture. And as they're molting, the the the, the smallmouths were all big big wolf packs of them would drive through and make these these freshly molted or just about ready to molt crayfish shoot out of the grass and then there were ones patrolling the, the top that would come in and eat them. It was just craziness. How they would not hit anything else. So, yeah, I, you know, and and it was funny. I was fishing with the guy, and he was using um, he was using a 
green pumpkin uh, jig with a you know a basic trailer on it, little, little quarter ounce jig, and just hopping it through the the grass, and they weren't touching. While I'm fishing with a green pumpkin, actual it was a rage crawl, um, and and I you know same sort of thing, just hopping it through there. I was bailing them because his watermelon wasn't the correct, or excuse me, his green pumpkin was too dark for the coloration of the crayfish that were there. Just just see something like that, it was just nuts. So, you know, it's all, it's all important. Cool. So, Chris, man, thank you for How calling in. How much do you think a crayfish eats when it's starving? How much a crayfish eats or when, when it's soft? Starving? I mean, when it when it's soft, when um, it's you know what? When the thing with crayfish is that the moment they pop through, it's kind of like a soft shell crab. But a soft shell crab takes, you know, I think twenty four hours to become you know hard again. Crayfish, I think it's like two hours is all it takes for them to just harden up and go back to their, oh, their feet okay. and weights. Um, so, you know, that, that difference is, is there, but, you know, that, that's to be said is that when it's not like the, you know, you can plan out at two, you know, at 10 o'clock, the crayfish are going to molt. And I know I've only got till noon to, to work on that, that, that technique. No, you've got, you've got three or four days of, of the, the malt to, um, to capitalize on it. So. And a crayfish, the, you know, it's kind of funny. The best way to find them, if you can't catch them or whatever, is to look at the vegetation. If you go through and all the vegetation is real gnarly and nasty, you know, the stalks are all algaed up, and all of a sudden you find an area where it's clean. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I wonder what happened there. It's either shad. If you don't see shad flipping or you don't see shad in the water, then you can go, <laughs> that makes sense. It's crayfish. So, you know, or it's all a sucker relative. fish nearby. Actually, the suckers don't <laughs> they they don't feed on the stalks. Suckers feed on the bottom. And that's something I thought about as well. You know, suckers cause they eat the algae and stuff like that. Suckers will never go vertical to feed. They'll always stay horizontal. Cuz their mouth won't work. Wow, I never knew that. Going up or going down. So they'll always stay on a, on a flat plane. That's why when you find suckers, they're usually in, in holes, and they're working the bottom of the hole. Or they're coming up out of the hole, and they're not feeding. They're just moving until they get to a, a flat, and then they'll they'll feed off that flat. See? Man, you would have never thought you learned so damn much in one little radio show. How about that, folks? Um, <laughs> I know. I learned too much here. My brain's always exploding by the end of the show. <laughs> and my brain's deflating, so... Um, so with that being said, uh, Chris, thank you so much for calling in, buddy. Um, great having you on. You guys, you know, great, great seeing you on again, man. Oh, you guys are more than welcome. More than welcome. Cool, bud. Uh, gonna put you on hold here and uh, let you keep on listening. All right. Sounds great, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Great show again. And we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. All right, so 
let's break down. We started talking about colors there for a second. Um, and Chris, we'll get to that in one second. Um, crayfish colors. Okay. If you want to hit the gambit of... If you want to work on crayfish colorations in, in your, your tackle, you want to make one Plano box or Bass Mafia box or, or Flambeau box for crawfish colors, and I highly recommend it. What you're going to need to do is you're going to need two base colors. Okay? The first base color is watermelon. Watermelon red flake, watermelon purple or blue flake. Okay? Or just a plain watermelon color are, are, are what you're looking at. The second is green pumpkin. Thank you, Tommy. Um, green pumpkin is going to... You're going to want more green pumpkin than watermelon if you're going for the crawfish. Okay, watermelon works great for... If you have uh, bluegill, okay? Uh, or, or, or other brim, another show. But green pumpkin is going to be the majority of your colors. <clears throat> watermelon candies, watermelon... Uh, um, Excuse me, green pumpkin red flake, green pumpkin purple blue flake, green pumpkin um, firecracker, which is one of my favorites. And it's, a, it's a mixture of silver. It's a mixture of um, several different colors. Okay. Those are your two main base colors you're going to want to work off of. And, you know, fill up those things. Now, some others you want to always keep in your box, if, 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 depending on the water. If you go into a tannic or stained water, dark water, really, really muddy, and it stays muddy, or if it's clay water, where the water has a lot of clay runoff for whatever reason, uh, where it's really, really low visibility water, best way to put it. Okay, red bug, great coloration if you can find it. June bug, another one, great coloration. Thank you, Tommy. Jeez. <laughs> um, but... What I like to have is a motor, motor oil or all black with either silver, blue, or red flake. Those three. Okay. For whatever reason, that silver really, in, in really stained water, works very, very, very well. Now, with that being said, it does not work well in... Uh, I want to say eight feet or more. It's a shallow water presentation. When I go deep, I'll go to the blues and the reds, or all blacks, or motor oils. Okay? That is that is hot, okay, in deeper waters. But that, that, black, that motor oil silver flake is stellar. Okay? Now, with that being said, there's different styles of crawfish baits. The rage craws are great. Um, one of my favorites uh, of them all is a Power Team Lewis Craw d'Oeuvre. Um, it is an absolutely stellar crawfish bite on a shaky head. Uh, Tommy Head Jig, I'm telling you, you take a green pumpkin Tommy Head Jig in quarter ounce and a, and a three and a half inch, uh, the, the quarter ounce, three aught Tommy Head Jig in green pumpkin and a Craw d'Oeuvre. My personal favorite is the Green Pumpkin Blue Swirl. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Absolutely stellar. Um, that one, Okotobi Craw is another good one. 
and um, Cajun, I think it is. Cajun's a red color. Those three, I always have on me. Uh, the net bait craws. Great craw imitation. They actually look like a crawfish. They have the antenna and the, and the claws. Great, great. Um, and I actually like the net bait. Uh, yeah, it's the, the paca. Uh, the, but that one is a great, absolutely stellar Carolina rig. Because it's thin. It floats. Goes through grass really well. And that one, I get three aught. Light wire, offset, hook, absolutely amazing. Um, one of the most versatile baits as well, a tube. <clears throat> Tubes are great imitators of crawfish. Um, you know, uh, uh, again, green pumpkins, watermelons. And, and on rivers, one of my favorites is actually like a sand color. Um it just works for me really well, or a two-tone, a laminate. It's a, it's got a green pumpkin back with a, a yellow belly. That's uh, more of a perch color, but it's still a tube. It's one of my favorites. It's a zoom. Um, just great tubes. Um, you know, a, a mustard color tube on, on a river works great. Um, but you can see where I'm going with this. You can literally fill a, a, a you know, a Tupperware box. Filled with crawfish baits because it's, and colors and styles and variations and everything else. Now, most people ask, <clears throat> why are so many bass drawn to a jig? It doesn't look like anything. Well, it looks like a crawfish. Okay, and, and people go, what? Now, think of it like this. Have you ever found a big, old, gnarly crawfish? What does it have all over it? It's usually got, you know, uh, a little algae coming off its body because it can't reach to its back, right? It just looks funky. The way I see it is a jig in a green pumpkin in a blue and black, the, the quintessential color. A blue and black jig is, it doesn't matter what body of water you're on, a blue and black jig is going to work. Um, and, and, and down south, I should say. Um, that blue and black mimics that coloration of a crawfish. And, and people go, well, 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 the skirt's all flared out. Right. That skirt flares out like the legs and in the arms of a crawfish fighting off uh, that, that, um, that bass or whatever it is. Um, You know, absolutely stellar. Absolutely stellar. Now, we're gonna, here's a great thing we're going to talk about real fast. One of my favorite rigs, next to putting it on a, on a, on a, a Tommy head, is a Texas-rigged crawl. And for this, again, the crawl derves are great for this. Um, the packas, uh, the packa crawls, and Tommy puts in, I was going to mention this, are hollow-bodied. Again, that's why they're great with the... With the uh, Carolina rig, they float, okay? He puts rattles inside of them. I don't. And, and this is what I do, though. Um, and he says, rig on the Tommy head, of course. When I Texas rig a Paca, or I Texas... Oh, what's that one? Um, it's not a Rage. Oh, I forget the name of it. But it actually... it's a, it, the, the claws float. 
okay? And I and I really like this for the Texas rig style. So what I do is I use a uh, a tungsten. And one thing I'm going to talk about real just a little off topic is if you use a tungsten weight, please I'm going to put a video on it probably this weekend or next weekend on putting a um uh a liner in that tungsten. Is that stud of okay. lead? You saying? Yeah, if you use if you use tungsten, um, you You're have to about put the metal, a liner right? on there. Yes, tungsten weights are harder. Yeah. The reason is is that tungsten, if there is, is is for two reasons. One, if you get a cheap tungsten that's made, I have found that if you look through the the, the where the line goes through, you'll see little little burrs all over it. I actually got a better way than doing the plastic stirrer there, Tommy. Um, it's actually using shrink tube. Uh, Aaron Martin. It's a great video. Check it out. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt to do, but once you do it, it's like, oh, why have you been over all my life? Um, uh, but you're a goofball, Matt. Um, yeah, no, I'm pun city tonight. My bad. <laughs> um. But you have those little burrs inside there that just destroy your line. The second thing, and it's something that, again, Aaron Martin, if, if you want to learn the, I mean, technical, technical stuff, listen to, or, or, or read or watch everything about Aaron Martin. Every seminar he does, granted he's goofy as, as, as all get out, but listen to what he says. And he mentioned this in one of the videos. That because tungsten is so hard, and on a, on a Texas rig especially, usually the, the tech, what happens is when that fish bites, the, le- the tungsten stays there, okay, or it separates from the, the hook or from, from where the bait is, right? And when you set that hook, and this even happens with the lockdown there, Tom, and when you set that hook, that tungsten gets slammed into that knot. And because it is so hard, that it'll actually break the line when it comes slamming down on it. And I proved this because of this setup I have. Okay, When I fish a crawl on a Texas rig, one thing I do is I put a tungsten on there. I will then put a glass bead on there and then you know rig the hook I was fishing with this technique I had a bite I set the hook I got the bass in when I went to fix the bait I looked the glass bead was gone and all I had was just a little bit of an inner ring there that tells me that when I set the hook that weight coming down shattered the glass bead and I went, ah, so there's something to that. And it makes sense. When that sucker comes down and hits that knot, it is so hard. And there's so much compression from happening that tungsten um, that it, it just blows me away. Uh, that's something as simple as that. Um, but it's actually using a shrink tubing. Uh, this technique I'll show in the video. It's a shrink tubing. 
and actually gives you a, a little bit of a cushion at either end of the hole. Absolutely awesome. And actually doesn't allow the, the tungsten, it actually, the, the friction from the tube slows it down a little bit as well. As well. Ooh, little burp session there. Um, like I said, if you use tungsten, definitely you don't want to uh, put a, uh, a core on it. But the glass bead, why is that so important in this rig? Uh, and usually for me, it's, uh, I use, I, I stay about a quarter ounce because um, I'm making usually really long casts or I'm flipping. It just makes flipping a little bit easier. Um, you know, um, yeah, even on a Carolina rig, unless you have the, the Carolina rig, Tommy, that has, uh, uh, like the ones you buy at Bass Pro or the ones from Strike King, where it's only a piece of wire, and it's got the, the you know, usually a brass, some of them now are tungsten with the brass uh, rattler on it. Um, if you're using a regular Carolina slip rig, um, then that that's kind of uh, when I'll, I'll make sure I have it lined, or I'll have... Um, uh, uh, brass beads in between it and then go into a glass bead but Carolina rigs for me are always uh, lead um, <clears throat> so I've got the, the quarter ounce when I use the glass bead on there and I take and I tie it on there I always use for this technique a 3-aught ultra lock from Mustad okay Stupid sharp, stupid reliable, stupid strong. What I will do is, if if it behooves you, a lot of times I will put a bobber stop or, or, or weight stop about four to five inches above the, uh, the, the, the tungsten as well to not allow it to slide up and down. But what, what you're doing is, is, is how this rig works. It's a basic Carolina rig, or a, a Texas rig, excuse me. When you cast it out there, and you're dragging it back, or you're hopping it back, right? When you feel it hit something, a limb, uh, a stump, whatever, what I do is, as I'm bringing it back, and I feel that, I drop my rod tip. I just kind of bring it back up, and I keep on clacking it. Okay? What that's doing is, is that, that bait, with that glass bead and the tungsten, are coming together, and that glass bead's going tick, 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 and I'll sit there for 10, 15, 20 seconds, same way you'd shake a shaky head almost, and just pop, 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 okay, because most guys, when they cast in there, right, and they're working the bait, they feel it, and they'll do it maybe once, or they'll hop it over, you're missing out, um, and this really worked well for me on, on uh, Lake Anna. Big stump field off of a point. And, you know, we saw the crawfish in the water. And we're throwing jigs and crawfish stuff, and we're not catching them. And what I did one time was I just made a little flip, five-yard five, five yard flip. You know, got it against that, that tree, and I was trying to pop it over. But I was trying to be real subtle about it because, you know, there was probably about 18 inches of water, you know, and I'm crack, 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 crack. And I sat there for about 10 seconds doing it. And and I went to go crack it a little bit harder. And right before I did, I saw this flash. Wah! I was like, jeez. Set the hook. Brought in a five-pounder. I was like, huh. And again, there's a reason for everything, right? We've talked about this before. 
So I sent that bait out there to the next spot after I re-rigged it. And I brought up against that, that, that stump, and I went crack, 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 and I started bouncing that bait. And again, wah, another flash, boom, a four-pounder. I was like, I've got something here. And there was a video, again, Wire to Fish, where a cat was talking. He's a crawfish farmer. That clanking sound that I was making was the sound of a crawfish in a defensive mode, in a panicked mode. The body starts rattling, the, 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 the pincers are snapping together, and it draws bass to it. Because it's a, because bass are very stupid, and they have a jealous factor. Okay, but doing that, boom! It was absolutely awesome, absolutely awesome. Once I realized that, and that's one of my favorite techniques now when I'm fishing crawls on a Texas rig, is to work it around and 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 stop it and crank it, you know, clack it every so often. That's why I'll put that bobber stop sometimes, to not let it drop or fall too far. So, so it's almost a, a governor to, to, to keep me in check. Absolutely awesome. Definitely try it. Glass beads, you can buy like 100 for like 2 bucks. I always keep them in my box because I use them on my Carolina rigs. I use them on my Texas rigs. Um, I use them... Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll use them for another technique we'll talk about in a later show. Um, you know, and, and then I started thinking about it. That's why rattles on jigs are so effective. When you're taking that, that jig and you're bouncing it through trees and everything else, it's that crack, 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 that tap, 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 tap sound. Um, very effective. Do I prefer red? No, I don't have a preference. Um, but I guess I kind of do, considering that all of mine are clear. I hope that answers your question, Tommy. Tommy asked, do you prefer clear or red or green or orange? Um, all mine are clear. It's just how I bought them. So I guess I do. Um, cool. Um, so, yeah, that, that little technique's great. Another one that, that I really like, like for myself um, that's seldom used um, for crawfish is uh, uh, a drop shot and pretty simple setup and, and how I do it is I only use a drop shot when I'm talking about shallow grass or, or, or not fully emerging grass usually early uh, in the year I'll use this or if I have a, an eel grass bed um, and what I'll do is I'll tie my basic 18 inch um, drop shot and I'll drop it down, and I'll look at it. If I, and I only do this if I can see it. If I look at it, and that crawfish is inside the grass, I know I need a lot longer one. If it's sitting way above the grass, I need to know it's shorted up. What I'm looking for is about six inches above the grass. Even better if I'm touching the tops of the grass. Okay. And then what I do is I use a one-aught um, uh, extra wide gap. Okay. And I'll put on a, uh, a either a rage or the crawl derv is great for this. So I am in grass. I want you know somewhat weedless. A lot of times when you have eelgrass, you have milfoil, or you have hydrilla mixed in. And if you see hydrilla, you won't see the eelgrass next year. But all another show. So basically, what I'm doing is I'm taking it, and I'm using the the drop shot itself, 
and the heavier hook. So what I'm doing is I'm working that through the, through the grass, and all I'm doing is just slowly dragging with a little hop here and there. And then what I'll do is I'll kill it, and that heavier hook with that bait, larger profile bait, will slowly start to sink through the eelgrass a little bit. And what I'll do, as soon as it gets in there, I'll give it about a four count. So I'll give it a, a more vigorous pop, a little harder pop, kind of rip that crawfish out of there. And a lot of times you'll see a small mouth or, or a large mouth come out of the grass, because he was looking at that craw, and it imitates that craw going down, seeing that, that bass, and taking off. And this is where that technique is, is I'll take a glass bead and stick the glass bead on the line first before I tie my, my setup. So when I snap that rod tip or I'm popping it through, that little glass bead, okay, um, excuse me, I don't put it before the hook, I put it in after the hook. That glass bead is smacking against that bottom weight, okay? When it does that, gives that little clank, that little clack, gives it a little extra uh, something-something. Usually it's two glass beads, so the, the glass beads are actually clanking together. Um, you know, the 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 actual rattles, the glass rattles, excellent. Um, stick them inside the baits. Uh, that that paca works great for that as a tallow. Um, you know, the, these are all. You know, hopefully you go out there now. Now that you you, I, I've kind of helped you find the way. Go and research your local crayfish. Um, every state's different, and a lot of times you'll find that the local university that has a great biology um, course will have someone who's written a paper, a thesis, um, gotten published from that local group that you'll find. They're the ones that have the most in-depth information for your area. And that's what I did. And I still do. Is I'll read thesis papers and I'll read biologist reports and, and find out what is different? A lot of times there's pictures, and you know, for me, I need pictures. <laughs> um, uh, it's lead, bead, then hook. All right, there. That's for the Texas rig. For the drop shot, it's going from top to bottom. It's hook, beads, two beads, then your 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 weight. Okay. Because if you bust off the, um, you don't want the that your top knot getting damaged. So there. Also, Chris, you asked about uh, floods. I find that when the water's rising, water the the current picks up. Two th it's kind of crazy. If I'm on a on a water system that has a lot of rock, the crawfish bite usually isn't so hot. But if I'm on one that doesn't have a lot of rock, has a more of a muddy, sandy bottom, or a lot of wood in it, that I will find that the crawfish bite explodes. Okay, the reason I believe that this is, and again, this is kind of it changes and is different, but usually what I find or what I, I think is happening is that the current, because it's so much heavier, the crayfish will get inside the rocks, makes it harder for them to get flushed out. Compared to the that that non rocky bottom, they'll 
bury, you know, two, three inches into the mud, or they'll hide behind a, uh, a piece of wood, that piece of wood gets pushed, or that muddy bottom gets eroded away and blows them out, right? And well, that's what the fish will be feeding on. So using that as a, as a barometer, you know, I kind of look at it and kind of will judge where I need to go. Usually, when I see, you know, muddy bottoms and the water's rushing pretty hard, I'm going with, like, a, a, a creature bait. Because um, usually you're talking about smallmouths. Um, smallmouths or, or Guadalupe or Roanoke's um, spots, even, uh, on some of the, the water systems. Is, is I'll go to a creature bait because there's so much uh, insect push that when, I, when that happens, you know, I'll use, like, a French fry. I'll use a... Uh, um, uh, what is that? Like a centipede or or a beaver tail. Um, oh yeah, that would be cool, Tommy. Never thought of that. Great thing. Um, those baits for the muddier bottoms. But again, you know, I'm always throwing a tube because that you know really can uh, mimic so many different things. But uh, when I fish like a rocky bottom, I'm using more of your baitfish style um style baits um you know like a, a pesky perch or uh, a weightless fluke works great um you know uh, a senko again a tube um you know mimicking the like a a, a small baitfish um you know a spinner bait it's great working through those those eddy pools and stuff like that. So you know, th- th- there's a lot to it. Um, you know, breaking it down to you know, if it's this, then this. I can't because uh, there's so many different factors that go into it, and we just don't have enough time <laughs> um, to really break it all the way down. But folks, get out there, try using you know, break down the crayfish even farther. And you will find your catch rates will go up. I promise you that. All right. Matt. Yes. You have summoned me. What's going on? Your sponsors, man. we got to get out of here. <laughs> oh, we're, we're limiting time here, right? Jackson Kayak, why paddle the rest when you can paddle the best? Aquabound paddles. Love them. Bending branches paddles, love them too. Ram mounts, made in the USA. Any type of mounting to your kayak, ram mounts. Torquedo motors, you know, why paddle all day when you can get home with speed? And uh, I'm done. Thanks. All right. So with my shout-outs, thank you again, Huntfish Paddle, uh, the low-sodium sponsor. Now, my personal sponsors, Jackson Kayak, Orca Coolers, Bull Bay Rods, Lick'em Lures, Tommy Head Jigs. Thank you guys so much for all that you do for me. Um, I think that's going to do it. If you have any questions, please send them to me on my Facebook page, Mark Lanning Crew Wheeler. You can send them to the Kayak Fishing Radio page. Um, please stay tuned. More of the... Low Sodium TV will be on the Facebook page as well. Definitely want to tune in for them. Uh, first one, again, is on the double Zulu or donkey rig, double fluke rig. Um, so definitely check that out. And uh, thank you so much, y'all. 
you are, are truly the, the, the drive that makes this possible. That being said, remember, folks, take kid fishing, take them in the outdoors, because memories are never made in front of a TV. Always wear your PFD. It does you no good if it's in the kayak floating away as you drown. Doesn't matter if it's six inches or 60 foot of water. Always wear your PFD if you're in a kayak. Fortune favors the bold. Always remember that. Never have too much of that. And if you get out this weekend, which I know you will, to remember to get your fish on, man. <laughs> Thanks, Chris, for calling in. Love you, buddy. Love y'all. Have a great weekend. Have a great night. And catch you next time on Low Sodium Show. Chip's up next tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, so tune in for that. Have a great weekend, everybody. Catch you next time, only on the Low Sodium Show.